the City Quick Connect podcast is brought to you by the Municipal Association of South Carolina. Hello, everyone. This is Russell Cox. I am the editor of the Municipal Association of South Carolina's Uptown Publication, and I am joined today, joined, I'm joined remotely, we're talking on the phone, by the association's two field services managers, Charlie Barano and Jeff Shacker. These are the two association staff members who, during normal times, are traveling among all of South Carolina's 271 municipal governments to help the officials and staff in those places address their issues of local concern. But with COVID-19, their road trips have been limited. And even so, they're continuing to answer calls, emails, and text messages every day. So the work never really slows down. Recently, you may have seen them in one of the videos for the Municipal Association's virtual annual meeting. They're having a conversation through a plexiglass screen about the importance of business license standardization. And all of those uh, annual meeting videos are, are still up on the website if you'd like to check them out. With that, Jeff, Charlie, how are you guys doing today? Well, hey, Russell, I'm, I'm doing great. I hope everyone out there listening is doing well also and, and that their families are too. Um, I, I know Charlie, I'm sure, feels this way, but, you know, we've been able to maintain contact with the cities just through, you know, technical assistance requests, calls, emails, and such. But I really do miss being on the road and, and getting to meet with everybody out there. Mm-hmm. Hey, Russell, and uh, it's great to be with everybody here today. Glad to hear it. Today we will be talking about an issue that is always a topic of interest for local government, particularly elected municipal councils, and that is the topic of conducting meetings effectively. Jeff and Charlie, I know that both of you receive many questions about the best practices for conducting meetings, and both of you have served as city managers, so you've prepared many meeting meeting agendas, meeting packets, and you've participated in countless council meetings, there seems to be some strategy and uh, pre-planning that takes place for those councils that do conduct meetings and who do it well. So can we begin with the guidance that you give to municipal councils for conducting effective meetings? Charlie, I'll go to you first. Sure, Russell, thanks. First and foremost, I would point officials to the association's website at www.masc.sc, and there I would look under our resources and publications section and go to where you can download uh, the association's publication titled How to Conduct Effective Meetings. The publication uh, provides an informative look at the proper procedures uh, for public meetings. I would also refer officials to the relevant state statute, uh, which is uh, found in South Carolina Code Section 5-7-250B, and it requires municipal councils and their other appointed bodies, whether that's the Planning Commission, uh, the Board of Zoning Appeals, Board of Architecture Review or other committee to make sure that they adopt 
and follow uh, meeting rules of uh, order and procedure. These rules uh, should establish the method for preparing agendas and conducting meetings because state law allows councils to exercise complete discretion over their rules of order, uh, provided they do not conflict with state law. Local rules may be very complex or as simple as uh, the council deems. So we, we see some of our uh, municipalities simply adopting Robert's Rules of Order as a quick way to satisfy the state requirement. But really, you know, just simply using Robert's Rules for your, your meetings can be uh, difficult and confusing because Robert's uh, were not necessarily designed for the purposes of a municipal uh, council meeting. The association provides a sample uh, rules of order at the end of the publication that I mentioned, uh, the how to conduct uh, effective meetings. If you have not looked at your municipality's adopted rules of procedure in some time, I would encourage you to take a look at your code of ordinances and pull those out and review the policy. Typically, your uh, rules of procedure uh, policy is in the uh, administrative section of your municipality's code of ordinances. Okay. Jeff, this, this next question is for you, and, and it's about the different kinds of meetings that councils can, can use. Can you talk about those different types of meetings, and they have their own legal requirements depending on the kind of meeting? Yeah, sure, sure thing, Russell. So, first of all, the, the South Carolina Freedom of Information Act defines a meeting as the convening of a quorum of a public body, and so when we think of public bodies at the municipal level, we're thinking of councils, committees of councils, because some cities and towns use the committee system, your planning commission, your board of zoning appeals, which Charlie had mentioned earlier. The, the convening of a quorum of those public bodies in person, the law uses the word corporal, and that's, that's what that means, or by means of electronic equipment, and we've seen a good bit of that here during the pandemic, to discuss or act on any matter over which that body has supervision control, jurisdiction, or, or some form of advisory power. So basically, whenever a majority of the membership of, of your council gathers or communicates to discuss or take some form of action on matters that, for sake of simplicity, relate to the city, it's a meeting. So this includes in-person council meetings. It includes virtual council meetings. We've seen many of those over the past few months um, during COVID-19. Unfortunately, um, you know, either through telephonic means or one of the uh, video conference platforms that's out there. It can include group emails, group text messages, conference calls um, involving a majority of the council or maybe the entire council. So councils need to be very careful with those for obvious reasons. In terms of the types of meetings that are authorized under the law, there are five. There are regular meetings. Uh, regular meetings are those uh, once-per-month meetings that, by state law, a city is required to hold. And you'll find that in Title V, Chapter 7. Title V are the uh, statutes that, uh, that apply exclusively to cities. Um, chapter 7, those are the statutes that apply to all cities regardless of their form of government. Uh, so councils mm -hmm. must meet at least once per month. Other meetings of council that occur from time to time, those are special meetings and they're called by council 
Uh, sometimes they're even scheduled at the beginning of the calendar year, and it's just a case where, you know, the council needs two meetings in a month, say, maybe to adopt the budget. Well, that, that second meeting is, is the special meeting. Public hearings, we've got some examples uh, out there, you know, the public hearing to adopt the budget. Um, those have happened recently since we've got so many cities that are on July 1 fiscal years. The required public hearing for adoption of zoning or an amendment uh, to the text or map of a zoning ordinance. Sometimes councils even hold advisory public hearings. So that's a different type of meeting. Executive sessions, I think we'll probably talk about those a little bit later in this mm -hmm. um, podcast. Uh, but that is a type of meeting that is closed to the public. Uh, and then again, with executive sessions, look at those as a privilege, not necessarily a requirement that you hold them. And then emergency meetings. Uh, and unfortunately, emergency meetings, we, we've seen some of those recently as, you know, cities respond to this current, you know, public health crisis that we're in. You know, a, a type of meeting that we talk about a fair amount, or at least we get questions from, from cities about, are also our work sessions. And, you know, work sessions are, are held by councils from time to time. Those technically are special meetings. They're not uh, addressed explicitly in, in FOIA. They fall under the umbrella of the special meeting. So, you know, those are the five types of meetings. For all meetings, uh, FOIA requires the preparation of an agenda. And on that agenda, all matters discussed or acted on by the body, again, the council, the committee, planning commission, board of zoning appeals, whatever it is, that are going to be discussed or acted on by that body must be listed on the agenda. That agenda has to be posted at least 24 hours in advance of the meeting. That's the, the form of notice under FOIA that's provided. Because remember, with FOIA, there's two main things that, that it protects for the public. One is access to public records. The second is access to public meetings and advance notice of those meetings. So it's preparation of an agenda, listing all the matters on the agenda that will be discussed or acted on, posting that agenda at least 24 hours in advance. That's done at the office of the city or town, typically that city or town hall. It's posted on a bulletin board that is accessible uh, to the public, and that it also uh, must be posted at the place of the meeting if the meeting is going to be held in a different building and on the city's website if the city has one. Mm -hmm. Listening through all that, did we mention at the beginning that when we say FOIA, we mean Freedom of Information Act? You know, I, I, you know it's funny how you, you take things so for granted when you deal with them all the time. Yes, it's, it's the South Carolina Freedom of Information Act. And, you know, earlier I mentioned Title V of the Municipal Statutes, Chapter 7 are the statutes that apply to all cities. FOIA can be found in Title 30, Chapter 4. Uh, that's the Freedom okay. of Information okay. Act. You know, one thing I didn't mention FOIA also requires that the that minutes be prepared for all meetings, and minutes must record the uh, substance of all matters discussed or acted on by the city, uh, or by the by the body rather. Mm -hmm. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that it, it that it it needs to be transcript style writing, and the association actually recommends against that. We we recommend against verbatim minutes, but you do need to have minutes that summarize all matters discussed by the body during the meeting, and certainly all matters that are acted on by the body during the meeting. Mm -hmm. You mentioned virtual meetings, and one thing I could add about that, the Municipal Association, our, the Coronavirus Resources page on our website, uh, we have some video cast in there that we created in the spring. It's called the Municipal Resources for COVID-19, and some of those have the three of us talking uh, about practices, best practices for virtual or electronic meetings. 
Charlie, I'll, I'll go back to you. Are there any simple tips that you could provide to elected officials about how to conduct meetings effectively? Sure, and it, it really uh, boils down to one word, and that's preparation. You know, whoever is preparing the agenda, the agenda packet, you know, whether that's the clerk, the manager, or the administrator, or the mayor, it, it, it's really a, there's an art or a, a strategy to the placement of items on, on an agenda. The placement of the items, um, you know, may in large part be directed by the municipality's codified requirements. Um, however, placing generally straightforward items at the beginning of the meeting is, is recommended. You know, we, we encourage folks not to overload an agenda. Sometimes it's simply best to hold items for uh, meetings that are scheduled in the future. Uh, once the agenda and the agenda packet are complete, it's, it's really critical that every uh, council member, you know, receive the agenda packet at, a re at the relatively uh, same time, well in advance of the meeting. Uh, receiving the agenda, you know, whether that's the weekend before the meeting or a number of days in advance of the meeting uh, is very, very important. Um, technology's made it very uh, easy, uh, relatively easy to deliver the agenda packet uh, electronically. However, we still see a number of our uh, cities and towns using a paper packet uh, delivery method. So whatever the delivery method, just make sure that it's done uh, as promptly as possible. Good ideas. Jeff, is, is there anything you could add on, on the preparation side of, of, of meetings? Well, like, like Charlie said, I mean, preparation is the key for an effective council meeting or, or an effective uh, commission committee or, or board meeting. Once the agenda and the agenda packet are delivered to council, preparation is, is critical. Uh, you know, don't wait until the time for the meeting to open and review the packet. In fact, that's the worst message you can send, I think, as a council member is to go up to the dais and then, you know, rip open the packet and, and look at your agenda because you've removed all doubt in terms of the level of preparation that you've put into the meeting. You know, council members should review the agenda information well in advance of the meeting. If you've got any questions, you know, pick up the phone and ask. Ask the person who was responsible for preparing the packet and the agenda or uh, the person who's in a responsible position. I mean, this may be the mayor. It could be the manager or administrator or maybe your municipal clerk and, and ask for an explanation. And then I think when that explanation is given, a really good practice like Charlie had mentioned earlier about treating every council member the same way and providing the same level of information to every council member, it would be good to, to share that information with the rest of council because they – they may have the same questions and just didn't ask. Mm -hmm. If there's time, you know, you could schedule an in-person meeting with the mayor or the manager or the clerk to to get this information. You, you may even want to do some additional research before the meeting. You know, your a good starting point may be your own code of, code of ordinances or the city's policies. I mean, those are resources if they're relevant to the nature of the issue at hand or your questions. You can you can consult those. I wouldn't forget also about the wealth of information that's available on the association's website. Uh, I think one of the, the best features of our website, uh, beyond just the, the tremendous amount of content that's on it, is the search function. There's that search box on the top right-hand corner of the website. I mean, you type, type the keywords in, and 
you're going to find information uh, on that subject, and many times it's going to be relevant to, you know, whatever the issue is that you have questions about or that you're going to be dealing with uh, at the meeting. Um, mm-hmm. You know, again, the, the more time you invest as a member of council or as a member of staff, I mean, this applies to staff as well, preparing for the meeting, the more likely it is that your meeting will be effective. And like and like I just alluded to, I mean, discussion and preparation goes both ways. So it's not just council. Mm-hmm. Staff needs to be prepared for the meeting. Staff needs to make an investment not only in its own preparation but helping the council prepare. So that needs to be done. And so if an item is on the agenda that, it, you know, you can anticipate that, that there may be some confusion or the need for additional information or like an explanation, It'd be good to reach out to every member of the council if you're the mayor or, or the manager or clerk, you know, whoever, whoever uh, prepared the agenda packet. And then, you know, when I was at the city uh, before I came to the association, one, one of our mantras for council meetings was no surprises. And I think that is a key tenet that I think cities should be cognizant of and, and abide by in terms of their meetings. I mean, I think the last thing that a – member of staff or the council, a council member should do to staff and, and, and the other members of council is to spring a surprise. So, I mean, I, you know, if you've got questions and you need additional information, the, the, the best way and the most effective way to get that information is outside of the council meeting prior to the council meeting. Um, mm-hmm. And I just think it's really important to have an effective meeting and then I think also to project uh, a good public image for the city that you try to avoid to the extent you can surprises at those meetings because it just puts everyone in an awkward position. Okay. Beyond that, beyond that preparation piece, what kind of questions do you commonly receive um, advice or do you share with elected officials on making the meeting effective? Um, Charlie, I could ask you. Sure. The next question that we receive a lot is, you know, how to properly manage public input and participation. And, you know, interestingly, state law does not require that there be a public comment period at a council meeting, and there's really no guaranteed right for the public to address the council at a council's business um, meeting. However, as we all know, receiving uh, the input from the public is uh, strongly encouraged by our municipalities. Uh, Many cities uh, and towns provide for public comment periods that allow them uh, at a point in the meeting before uh, council's consideration of an ordinance or resolution uh, to hear uh, from the public. Councils uh, commonly limit uh, those comments, you know, anywhere from two to five minutes, or they limit the numbers of speakers on a particular issue so that the specific argument is not aired, you know, over and over and over again. And so there should be a balance uh, struck between ensuring that the public is heard from and that the public uh, maintains the ability, that, that the council can maintain their ability to effectively conduct the business of the uh, municipality as efficiently uh, as possible. Um, Jeff, do you have any, do you have any, uh, common practices for effective meetings that, that, that you'd like to talk about? Well, you know, one thing we haven't talked about yet is the important role of the presiding officer. 
um, which is typically the mayor. Uh, in the mayor council form, it's the mayor by statute. In the other two forms of municipal government in South Carolina, it's the mayor by tradition. Um, the, the presiding officer or the mayor should be very familiar with the agenda and well familiar with the city or town's adopted rules of procedure. That's that's very important. Uh, and we often get questions related to the authority of the presiding officer and the city's rules of procedure. And, you know, presiding over council meetings is a duty, a responsibility. It's not power per se. So the presiding officer has a duty to the council to ensure that the meetings of the council are as effective as possible. An important thing to remember there is that the meetings are, are is, is the council's meeting, not the presiding officer's meeting. So a presiding officer to make those meetings effective needs to facilitate the meeting firmly, but but with courtesy and diplomacy to, to every member of council, you know, keeping a level tone, uh, maintaining a business-like approach to the meeting and presiding over it is very important. You know, ensuring that one of the, the principal tenets of Robert's rules, although not all of our cities operate under Robert's, uh, but ensuring that that tenant in Roberts that it's one item at a time, one person at a time is observed. So you move from item to item on the agenda. Every member of council should get an opportunity to speak if they so desire, but only one member can speak at a time. So the presiding officer basically has to officiate that. And then, you know, if there are opportunities for public participation, which Charlie just talked about, the presiding officer also has responsibilities in terms of uh, facilitating that public input, and then also ensuring that members of the public that are providing input do so under the same terms and conditions. You know, Charlie talked about um, time limits and, you know, keeping the public on task in terms of just speaking about the issues that they're there to speak about. Um, that, that's the responsibility of the presiding officer. So, so with all that said, We've run out of time to really dig into executive sessions, so I want to talk about that in a part two. But to wrap up this, to wrap up this first one, any any closing recommendations for conducting effective council council meetings? Sure, Russell, and you know, and 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 probably even just as important, or maybe more important than than preparation is is civility. And so in the words of our, you know, 35th President of the United States, John F. Kennedy, civility is not a sign of weakness. And that's, that's so important in these times. Um, general civility and respect of each other go a long way. A council member, you know, should be respectful in language, gesture, uh, their body language, tone. Uh, Jeff mentioned that earlier in the podcast. It's so important that our councils and our committees and, and uh, our other bodies, planning commission, that they don't allow um, the, the decline of American civility that we've seen play out in social media come into our, our municipal meetings, our, our council chambers. So be civil uh, with each other. Uh, as a member of council, remember that you've been elected to represent, not necessarily that uh, you're representing a specific uh, constituent or uh, constituency or a ward, and certainly not your, yourself. You're, you're representing the, the, the municipality at large, the city and town. As a, as a member, you've got to ensure that you're keeping that in mind at all times. Make sure that you're recognized um, by the presiding officer before you speak. 
you know, avoid interrupting your fellow uh, council members uh, without reason. Avoid arguments with the presiding officer or your fellow council members. And as it states in, in Robert's Rules of Order, quote, the, the great lesson from democracies to learn is for the majority to give the minority a full, free opportunity to present their side of the case and then for the minority having failed to win a majority to their views gracefully to submit and to recognize the action as that of the entire organization and cheerfully to assist in carrying it out until they can secure its repeal. So, again, I refer our cities and towns to our website, www.masc.sc. Uh, for further information on uh, how to conduct effective meetings, again, take a look at our publication there for more information. All right. Well, Jeff, Charlie, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us in part one. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Russell. The City Quick Connect podcast is one of several ways the Municipal Association keeps you informed of the opportunities and issues impacting South Carolina cities and towns. Learn more at www.masc.sc and stay up to date with the association's latest happenings on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.